Hi, this is Jordan Shively. Hi, this is Brock Wilbur. And you're listening to Caring Into the Void, the podcast where we get together, tell each other about a weird or dark story we've heard, and then try and find the silver lining to flip it into something that, while probably not positive, will at least be productive. I feel like one of these weeks we're going to have to do like, uh, we're going to have to just take really nice stories yeah. and then find even further silver linings. We're a little far down uh, this at this point in the year in just general darkness, but <laughs> yeah, we'll see how, how, how this goes. Or we find like the opposite. We get a really nice story and we find like how it could be like a bad thing for someone. <laughs> Man, all those baby animals. Ugh. Man, if they all piled up on top of you, you could probably smother <laughs> underneath baby ducks. I bet it could happen. Jordan, what sort of story do you have for us today when we really need it? So today's story is one that I'm just going to call Point of Origin. This story is one that of those that appears at first to be a mere historical footnote until you pull the thread and unravel the shape that is behind this deceptively simple pattern. The story begins in Jefferson, Wisconsin, at a place called St. Coletta School for Exceptional Children. Is that from the X-Men? Yeah. Now, based on this extraordinarily YA fantasy named school, <laughs> you might think you know what the story is going to be about. However, you could not be more wrong. I'm sorry that I pounced right to, right to where your joke was going to be. <laughs> Thank you. St. Saint, Saint Coletta's is only important to the story that it owned the land upon which the story took place. A large tract of land, nearly 175 acres. The school and all its many buildings were, however, not the only inhabitants of this land. Before the founders of St. Coletta's, mounds were easily seen visible through the forest because there was also Indian burial grounds there. It is around these mounds that this story begins. In the mid-1930s, a night guard named Mark Shackleman worked at the school. Part of his job was walking the grounds at night. It was one on these nightly rounds that he came upon someone kneeling at the base of one of these mounds. And as he got closer, he saw they were digging. He, of course, assumed it was a local, maybe some youthful vandals or someone trying to see if there's anything valuable in one of the mounds. But as he shone his light on them, he saw that something about them seemed odd. A bit off, in fact, they didn't seem human at all. Shackleman claims that it was roughly human-sized and shaped, but covered head to toe in dark fur. And there was something about its posture and the way it was kneeling that seemed wholly unnatural. He didn't catch much more that night because he reacted with an inborn sense of preservation and fled all the way back to the main campus where he just clocked out and got the fuck out of there. I mean, I, I <laughs> he just comes in and he's looking at everybody like, uh, yeah, I'm uh, done for the night. So... Gonna just clock out. No reason. No reason. Um, just gonna uh, go home. But the next day he went back to his job, though. I mean, I probably would have called in sick the next day and been like, hmm, I'm gonna let someone else cover that shift until how long does it take to dig a big hole? Yeah, that's how many days I'm gonna call in sick. <laughs> it's it's better if somebody knows the answer to that. Oh, like four, man. Four, yeah. yeah I like four is I think I'm a, five if you're I'm a, really, really into it. I'm a deep, I'm a deep hole sick today. Um, <laughs> during the day, oh my god, big 2018 mood. Yeah, 
During the day, though, he went back to check on the mound, and he found there were signs of digging, huge gouges in the grass, and what, upon closer inspection, appeared to be claw marks. I can only imagine the dread that filled the rest of the day as he watched the sun sink and the time for nightly rounds came again. And sure enough, when he got back to that part of his rounds, the creature was back on its knees, haunches, digging into the mound. This time, instead of running away, Mark trained his light on the creature, and it didn't run away either. It stood up and stared directly at him. Now, in the full glare of the light, Mark could see the creature better, and he said it was as tall as he was, with a very muscular chest and arms that were a cross between claws of an animal and the hands of a human. It had tall ears and dark fur all over it, very oddly shaped legs. So, I mean, he obviously found Man-Bat from the Batman animated series. (laughs) Um, It was in the middle of this moment of wide-eyed inspection that the creature spoke. It only said one word, and it meant nothing to Mark. The word the creature said was Gadara. Now, after this encounter, you might say this was the kind of story made up by a bored night watchman to get some attention and excitement into possibly a humdrum life. Except Mark told no one except his wife. And it probably would have stayed that way, except in 1958, Mark suddenly found himself sick with what he thought was a terminal illness. Faced with this, he did what many people on their supposed deathbeds do. He bared his soul to his son, who was a reporter. So, of course, the son (laughs) wrote about it for the local newspaper, supposedly in hope that someone else with a similar experience would come forward. It didn't. (laughs) No one else had ever heard of this crazy man bat. What it did do, however, was find people who knew the significance of the word the creature had spoken. Throughout the ages, the idea of werewolves has been linked to devilry, curses, and unclean spirits. People thought to be werewolves were often burned alongside witches as they were both believed to carry the devil's mark. One particularly famous story of possession can be found in the Christian Bible. In the book of Mark, Jesus confronts a man possessed with an entity that named itself Legion, because they were many. The place this story took place, unlike St. Colette's, does not exist anymore. It was the capital of a Roman province until it was destroyed in AD 7047, not 7047, AD 747, in an earthquake (laughs) in the future. Um, The reason this story is significant is the name of the city, the city where the legion was said to have been cast out. That city was called Gadara. (laughs) So it's just a weird story about this creature who said this one word to this man. He didn't know what the word meant, except it's the same city where the demon legion was. Pretty weird. I, I really, I really enjoy the idea of like the the guy's son being like, "I'm a reporter. I'll do the news, and this will this will solve the mystery." And then no one else comes forward. Like, yeah. well, I can't do the news anymore. <laughs> Maybe this is one of those time is on your side kind of things, you know? Oh, fair enough. The carrying into the void for this is, you are a virus. You are the cockroach that just won't die. And you know what? That's fucking great. 
Because when the powers that be think they're safe, when they think they have cast you out from their societies and structures, just when they think it is safe to turn their backs, there you are, on the lips of a new person, a whisper in the shadows they thought were safe, your name leaping past all the gates they've erected to keep you out of the places and powers, and now you've infected them. Now that your talons have sunk deep into the earth that you've claimed as your own, now is your time, a new dawn after your long slumber through the dark, cold night. So stretch those limbs. Turn your face to the sun, because no matter what they throw at you, no matter where they try and cast you down, it is always only a matter of time before you rise above everything. Yay! Gadara. <laughs> okay. Now it's, now it's actually scary. <laughs> like that one a lot also weird side note saint coletta's school for sectional children had previously been called saint coletta's school for backwards children and was basically one of those really creepy schools where they just throw developmentally challenged children in and its only claim for fame was that it is the place where john f kennedy's sister was left for the rest of her life after a failed lobotomy Oh my God, what is wrong with us? So it's like this big tract of forest with Indian burial grounds and a school where they practice lobotomy on, on developmentally challenged people. So yeah, it's, but yet that was not the part of the story that was the creepy part. Oh my God. <laughs> despite, despite it being a set piece, you know, for some horror. It, 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 it's it's like they got uh, too too much horror in their horror chocolate. Uh, like there's the, there's too many horror movies in this one story, and they're like, you know, what? we just got to cut out the haunted school. Yeah. Like uh, they, we're not going to circle back to that one. Uh, although hearing the backwards children makes it sound like it's one of those schools where they like uh, beat up kids that were left handed until they learned to be right handed. I'm sure. In the early 19, 1910s, that shit was going down there. Jesus. Out among the Indian burial grounds. <laughs> so what do you have today? Uh, I got uh, one call. I'm calling a fig funeral. A missing man who was murdered more than 40 years ago uh, was recently found after a seed from a fig in his stomach uh, grew into a tree. Uh, Ahmet Hergun uh, was killed in a conflict in 1974. Uh, between uh, Turkish and Greek forces, and they could not find his body for decades. Uh, his 87-year-old sister uh, was uh, still looking uh, around for him. The family was. And there's about 200,000 people that were displaced in this conflict with a, a lot of them that are still missing. Uh, but his body was found uh, this week or uh, two weeks ago because the tree uh, which was growing from him was growing uh, and was an unusual tree for the area. Uh, it turns out that he, uh, Ahmet had been taken into a cave uh, with two other men, and they'd been killed uh, by dynamite that been, had been thrown into the cave after them. The dynamite also blew a hole in the side of the cave, allowing a little bit of light to flood into the darkened interior, which uh, the last thing he'd eaten before uh, being killed was uh, a fig. Uh, and so a fig tree began to grow from his remains uh, and the fig tree was spotted in 2011 uh, as, as being uh, rare for the region 
uh, and they went back and they were looking around further uh, and uh, and were like, well, why is this tree here? Uh, so they finally dug up the base of the tree and found his body there along with all of his clothes. And so they uh, they finally got to tell the family that, that that's where their, his his remains are. And then and the case is closed and he is no longer missing because uh, he, a, a tree grew out of him uh, and burst through a cave where he was murdered with dynamite. So parents are right when they tell us, like, don't eat watermelon seeds because they're going to grow in your stomach. But also, maybe that's how your parents will find you if something bad happens to you. Uh, so, like, if you're suspicious of your parents, you just, like, eat those seeds and look them right in the eye. And they're like, yeah, there's going to be some proof. You better, I better wake up in the morning or there's going to be a watermelon patch for the cops to find. Oh, my, a watermelon patch. My God. Just eating handfuls of the seeds. Mm. <laughs> uh, so here's my carry into the void. <laughs> so you want to be an eternal being? Well, bub, that's not in the cards. But no matter how you wind up bowing from your final scene, remember that the uh, glowing conglomeration of memory and big moods that you are made of will transcend this plane, but your biomaterial may be called back to that stage for a curtain call. You may reassemble to build blocks of what gave you form, if only to nurture the new form that carries on your momentum and perhaps even answers a great mystery or even, in the best of all scenarios, implicates those who have wronged you. More importantly, this serves as a reminder to pay attention to what you eat. Your body is a temple, but also your body might never be discovered from a temple if if you don't have healthy fruits and vegetables uh, and, uh, you know, spend a, a, a generation building an alert system slash monument to you via those sustenances. Uh, so visit more farmer's markets, if only to be sure that you'll absolutely revenge those that murder you. <laughs> That's what the slogan for all farmer markets are going to be. It's like, for a farm markets for your afterlife revengeance. <laughs> Leave a trail of clues. Farmers markets. Ah, oh, yeah, these tomatoes—they're they're great for that. <laughs> so yeah, dark dark weird one this time. I liked I liked yours a lot. I like I like I like spooky school. Yeah, spooky school. Um, so you done anything this week for self care or just the same old same old? Just, uh, just to, did you know that, that sometimes, uh, if, if you're, if you're sad and you're, you're drinking, uh, to escape that sadness, that that doesn't fix it. Oh, I have, I've heard that. <laughs> I have read that places, uh, in my own diary. Uh, so, uh, and in my own standup. So, uh, been trying to, uh, take it easy. And the problem with that is that I, I then created a situation where, uh, when I was really, really sad, uh, one drink could uh, just put me into the worst possible place. And I was like, there has to be a manageable middle ground here. So I'm working to find that still. I think I'm starting to find that, like, I just don't drink anymore. You know, like after a certain age and a certain accumulation of like mental bullshit, like it just becomes untenable. Right. I, I, I think I'm, I'm slowly drifting in that direction where the numbers are, are lining up and I'm, I'm, I'm recognizing that not the light at the end of the tunnel, but just like the wall at the end of the tunnel. I'm like, Oh, that wall's that wall's sneaking up. <laughs> I think there's a lie that's told to us that there's a happy medium for everything. And there's some things that we get to a point where the only safe way to deal with them is to not do them. There's no like, Oh, I can have like this much arsenic. You know, like there's a happy medium. <laughs> there's a happy medium for everything, though. Like you should be able to enjoy arsenic without actually going all the way to dying. 
You know, like, I mean, if we got enough mental triggers and emotional issues, probably there isn't a happy medium with a product that just turns off all your safety valves, you know? <laughs> well, ig- ignore my advice about happy mediums. I just heard Jordan do the voice that I would have sounded like in saying it. So actually, <laughs> uh, his advice, his advice trumps mine this week. And that's our show. <laughs> that's just my per- for what it's worth, my personal that I can't do it anymore. Um, yeah, I've not been doing any the same, trying to get some doctor's appointments lined up and start dealing with my own health more seriously has mm-hmm. been one of my things. And I've also been trying to not take on any more projects until I finish the ones I have. Because I, I just say yes to every project and then I feel like just so much guilt about all the projects I have that I need to work on. <laughs> So I'm trying to just knock out the ones I have before I take more. But then that also leads to you having to combat the feeling of if I if I don't say yes to everything, are people going to quit asking me? You know, I I was about to jokingly say that there there should be a happy middle ground there. But then I I almost instantaneously felt bad about something that I just <laughs> forgotten that it was due today. So, uh, so you know what your your advice all around today has been uh, much better than mine. This has been a uh, a great episode of Jordan's podcast. <laughs> it is not a contest, as I write down in my column. <laughs> I think th- I think that that's why my friend thinks that you're the one that hosts it because uh, I come in here and I'm like, here's here's my ideas, and you're like, those ideas aren't as good as they could be, and I'm like, you're right. We should go back to the drawing table on that one. <laughs> um, that seems like a very negative cycle to get into thinking. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Where can we find you on the internet, Brock? I am at Brock Wilbur at all the places, uh, several podcasts, The Coolest Kids, uh, Missouri Loves Company, Less Than Silent Hills, and of course this one, which, uh, boy, howdy, if you guys could uh, recommend this to a friend or drop a review or something, we are uh, doing so good at planning out an actual goddamn schedule for this show so that we will be here uh, in a more reliable way than we have been. Sorry about our, our, we, you know what? We took our month long, our, our month long summer break there to get our shit under control. And we have good shit at this point. So, uh, we're going to get back to taking this really seriously. And thank you guys for sticking with us through that. <laughs> yeah. We know you're listening. Stamps.com blue apron. <laughs> All right. your boy. We just want those Bomba socks. Where can people find you online? Jordan. You can find me at writing weird things at hottest singles, the dread singles, Twitter. You can find me designing things at voidmerch.net. And I'm also on a streaming show on the web DM Twitch channel playing invisible sun every Wednesday until the end of October. So that's it for now. Okay. Awesome. All right. We'll see you next week. And until then, remember to keep your hearts dark and true and your teeth sharp and many. Thank you, guys. Goodbye.